Hello and welcome to Valley West Cinemas. I'm your host Aaron, and this is the podcast where we take a group of related films and eliminate all but three. I have my list on my red pen ready because today we're discussing movies that feature the music of Kanye West. I'll go ahead and say from the start that I am not a Kanye West fan, but he is very successful. People like what he has put out. He has been a smart businessman over the years, so I can't deny his success or his fans. And of course, we've all seen his behavior in the news. Take that for what you will. I'm not going to get into it. Part of his success is proven by the amount of soundtracks he is on. His music is in a ton of movies. A ton of movies. Kanye West songs are all over the place. For this episode, I will not be discussing the quality of the songs. I'm not critiquing the songs that are in these soundtracks. I've simply used his music as the connective tissue across several films. In this instance, it's eight songs across 12 different movies. And so the movies we're discussing today are Inside Man, Maid of Honor, Trainwreck, Four Brothers, Jarhead, Never Back Down, The Hangover, The Hangover 2, Obsessed, Step Up 3D, The Great Gatsby, and Longshot. The first three movies that we're going to talk about all feature the song Gold Digger, which was everywhere. I think it came out around the time that Jamie Foxx had two Oscar nominations in one year for both Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor, which is a heck of a feat. Arguably, I think he should have won for Collateral instead of Ray. That one's a little strange because even though Tom Cruise was the bigger name and featured on all the posters, Jamie Foxx is the lead of that film and he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. It would have been a heck of a story, though, (laughs) if Jamie Foxx won Actor and Supporting Actor in the same year. That has never been done. And even just the nominations are super rare. I think Holly Hunter did it for The Firm and The Piano. Oh, Scarlett Johansson. She was nominated for Marriage Story and uh, Jojo Rabbit. So that's at least three times that has happened. But to bring it back around, (laughs) back to the song, to Gold Digger, which was a Kanye song that featured Jamie Foxx. That song was everywhere. I'm sure it was in many more movies than just these three. The three I have are Inside Man, Maid of Honor, and Trainwreck. I guarantee you it was in way more movies and shows than I can even think of. For these three, I'm absolutely eliminating Maid of Honor and Trainwreck. Trainwreck is the Amy Schumer comedy that Judd Apatow made, and I like Judd Apatow. I like Judd Apatow a lot. There's a humanity to his characters. The problem is every movie Judd Apatow touches, whether as a writer, director, or producer, is too long. Every single one of them. 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Pineapple Express, anything he's involved with is too long. Trainwreck is two hours. It did not, actually it's over two hours. It did not need to be. It has a great supporting cast. Vanessa Bayer, John Cena, Bill Hader, LeBron James. Really the credit that Trainwreck deserves the most is that it showed us that John Cena could be funny. Because before this, he was just the wrestler that did some action movies. He made some WWE produced movies like 12 Rounds or The Marine. And Trainwreck was his first major film with a comedic role. And he nailed it. He is so good in it. And really the career that John Cena has now is owed to that movie. Trainwreck also, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but normalized Amy Schumer. She's one of those comedians who, at least in social media, seems to have just as many fans as haters. I have seen a lot of negative comments over the years about Amy Schumer. I don't personally have an opinion one way or the other. I don't really watch stand-up. But in the movie Trainwreck, she comes off very well. The problem is it's pretty aimless. It's way too long. That length kills it. If you look at When Harry Met Sally, which is arguably the greatest romantic comedy of all time, it's 95 minutes. When Harry Met Sally did not need to be two hours and five minutes, and neither does Trainwreck. 
The other one, Maid of Honor, I am absolutely crossing off without any hesitation at all. It's one of those super generic romantic comedies that Jennifer Lopez seems to have (laughs) cornered the market with. It's about a womanizer played by Patrick Dempsey, and it's kind of sad that he never really broke out after his career resurgence with Grey's Anatomy. But it's about a womanizer who just dates over and over again. He never commits, and his best friend is a woman. And their relationship is so great because they're just friends. And it ends in one of those scenes where the wedding gets interrupted, which I hate because I always think about how horrifying that would be if your <laughs> if your wedding was interrupted while you were at the altar by somebody claiming and swearing to love one of the people getting married. That just sounds so disastrous and uncomfortable. And I think The Graduate pretty much ruined that for any other movie. The Graduate did it, and no other movie needs to do it. If you haven't seen The Graduate, it's great. It's really good. But Maid of Honor is not. It's directed by the guy who did City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. (laughs) So if that tells you anything about the quality, there you go. The third movie that has Gold Digger is Inside Man. And this is a Spike Lee movie. I have said several times on the show that I'm going to do a Spike Lee episode. I'll get to it eventually, I swear. I feel like I'm covering so many of his movies already so far just in these other episodes. Inside Man is one of his most successful movies. It was a big hit with critics. It was a big hit financially. Ironically, though, it is the least Spike Lee movie that he's made. Because most of Spike Lee's movies have some sort of social commentary, usually about race in the United States. Movies like Do the Right Thing or even De Five Bloods, which is fantastic. Inside Man is about, quote, the perfect bank robbery with Clive Owen as the robber. And then outside, you have Denzel Washington and Jodie Foster. It's all very well acted, very tense, very dramatic. Inside Man is excellent. The only problem I have with it really at all, other than it being really the least Spike Lee, Spike Lee movie, is that there's not a lot of rewatchability, at least not to me. I've said before, comedies and thrillers are never as funny or as thrilling the second time because you know the jokes, you know the scares. Inside Man is a thriller and a mystery, and once you've seen it and you know where it's going, for me there really isn't much rewatchability, which is sad. It's a really good movie. And to say that the worst part is that you may not want to watch it twice, that's not really a negative. And that's where Inside Man sort of falls for me. I actually am hanging on to Inside Man for now. I might keep it. I might. The next two feature the Kanye song Jesus Walks, and the movies are Four Brothers and Jarhead. For both of these films, I feel like I'm the one person that doesn't care for them. Kind of like when, (laughs) this is a weird example, but when the first Transformers movie came out, Before all the sequels and before everybody hated all of them, the first movie was actually liked. The first Transformers movie, by audiences at least, was really well received. I remember opening night sitting there with my ex-wife and my friend John, and when the movie ended, both of them were jazzed. Both of them were, oh yeah, that was awesome. They were both super excited about it. And I could feel the crowd excited about it, that they just had a really good time. And I felt alone. I felt like I was the only person in the audience sort of slowly shaking my head back and forth, severely disappointed. As the years have passed, I've been proven right. There's a lot of (laughs) backfilling hatred towards the first Transformers movie, especially with the terrible sequels that came later. That's kind of how I feel about Four Brothers and Jarhead, where I'm the only person sitting there shaking my head, not liking these movies, but everyone else does. On IMDb, Four Brothers has a 6.8 and Jarhead has a 7.0. When you have a site like IMDb, anything over a 6.2 is probably pretty good. And once you have something that approaches a 7, That usually means that it is genuinely a good movie. And I don't dislike Four Brothers. Four Brothers was by John Singleton. I like John Singleton. I like the cast. 
It's a clever premise about four adopted brothers from different backgrounds who all come back together to solve the mystery of their adopted mom's murder. I don't know why, it just didn't work for me. Jarhead is about the war in Iraq and how boring war actually is. It's not an exciting movie on purpose. It's meant to basically show what it's really like over there. It's not 90 minutes of firefights that we get in other movies. It's a lot of sitting around. It's a lot of boredom. The movie is successful, but making me bored to show that the characters are bored is not a fun experience. I don't enjoy that. And it was very well received, but Jarhead just depresses me. It really does. And I know that war is supposed to be depressing. It's not supposed to be thrilling. We're not supposed to be happy about it. The idea of getting entertainment from something true and terrible is something that we do sometimes maybe have to question. At what point is it okay to make entertainment out of something terrible? I remember when the trailers came out for United 93, only five years, I think it was, after 9-11, and people were yelling too soon at the movie theater screen, at the trailer. People were actually yelling at the trailer, and I don't know what the right answer is for that. We make movies about true-life murders all the time, and so making a movie about a war and how pointless it is, I guess really any time after the war starts, is fair game. Media, movies, music, have always been used as a form of protest, but I don't think Jarhead was used as protest or necessarily even criticism of the war. I think it's more of a criticism about the excitement of war. In either case, I I just don't connect with them, and I know I do have to weigh other people's value of these films. It's not just my favorite, but Jarhead, I'm not going to keep. I can't. I'm also crossing off Four Brothers. The next one I'm going to cross off is going to sting a little because it's a movie that I love. <laughs> Step Up 3D. And before you get angry at me for crossing off Jarhead, but then saying that I love a Step Up movie, <laughs> let me just make it clear. I'm not calling it good. I often compare that series to cartoons, at least the sequels, because the first two, parts one and two, were serious teen dance dramas that were more of a ripoff of Save the Last Dance, because that one was a, a huge success financially. By the time they got to the third one, and then parts four and five, they basically turn into cartoons. There really is no sense of realism in Step Up 3, 4, and 5. Step Up 3D features the Kanye West song, Driving Me Wild. And when the movie came out in theaters, the 3D was amazing. I went with two friends who absolutely loved it. The 3D was thrilling, but the story is so stupid. It's so comical. There are lines in the movie where it seems like they took them from mobster movies and changed kill to dance. One character says, he's going to find you and dance you. <laughs> and another line where uh, somebody says, you think you can just dance and walk away? <laughs> it's so stupid. If you have any interest at all in dance performance, it is a thrilling, exciting film to watch, at least in those moments. You might want to fast forward through dialogue scenes. <laughs> Anytime some characters are talking, maybe fast forward. It's about a dance group that has this giant warehouse where they're able to just dance and practice freely. And then some real estate developer is going to take it and tear it down. And so they have to enter a dance competition and win $100,000. It's, it's silly. Who cares? Since the movie was shot in 3D, the camera has to stay static for quite a bit of it because they say your brain takes about one and a half seconds or so to adjust to 3D when you're watching it. So every time the image cuts to a different angle or a different scene, your brain takes a little bit to register the 3D. If a movie has a lot of cuts, the 3D doesn't work. And so movies that were shot in 3D often have to have a static camera for longer cuts and longer scenes. And so the dancing isn't edited in a way that's super choppy. You can follow the action. And in fact, somewhat hilariously, the main character in the movie, who's supposed to be this awesome dancer, he always starts at the front of the group of dancers. And then when the dancing starts, he just shuffles behind everybody and basically disappears because it turns out, I guess, the main actor is not a good dancer. I don't know why they cast him. 
But it's kind of hilarious by about the third or fourth time you notice this big dance number and he's looking all cool and he just sort of shuffles behind somebody so you don't see him anymore. (laughs) It's very funny. I, of course, am crossing off Step Up 3D because I cannot defend it. If our basis for judgment on the show was having a good time, then yeah, absolutely. I love Step Up 3D. I really do. I can watch it over and over and over again. But it's not high art. It's not even low art. (laughs) It It is a cheese sandwich. And I love it. But I am crossing it off. Of course I am. Along those same lines is the movie Obsessed, which had the Kanye West song American Boy. And even though I don't listen to Kanye, American Boy is a song that was all over the radio when it came out. Even I know that song. Obsessed, kind of like Step Up 3D, is in no way a good movie. It has a very low rating (laughs) on IMDb and on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not exactly a liked movie. Obsessed is the one where Idris Elba and Beyonce play a married couple. And at his job, Idris gets a new temporary assistant played by Ali Larder who becomes obsessed with him. Like something you would see on Lifetime, except it has an actual budget and Beyonce's in it. I do like seeing her on screen. Obsessed goes through all the motions you would expect. There are really no surprises. Because it's PG-13 though, it can't get too salacious, it can't get too violent, it's not fatal attraction. I would love one of these erotic thrillers to actually have some grit, some teeth. Even the R-rated Fifty Shades of Grey, which really ultimately wasn't a thriller, but even that one didn't really seem to have any bite to it, if that makes sense. I want some nerve, some edge. There's a reason fatal attraction is a term that's remembered. If not the movie, people at least have heard of it. That movie came out in 1987, and its long-lasting impact is still felt today, and I just wish somebody would have the nerve to make a movie like Obsessed with beautiful actors like Idris Elba and Beyonce and Ali Larder and actually give it some edge. That would be awesome. Unfortunately, it doesn't, but it has more than the Lifetime movies do. If you've ever enjoyed one of those cheesy Lifetime thrillers with titles like Mother May I Sleep With Danger, (laughs) then check out Obsessed. It's that with a budget. So not good, but it fulfills a certain interest. If you're looking for that sort of movie, then that's one to check out. Check it out. Why not? Next is The Hangover and The Hangover 2. Hangover 1 features the song Can't Tell Me Nothing, and Hangover 2 has the Kanye song Stronger. The Hangover 1 is kind of like Jaws and Scream, where the sequels sort of diminish the impact and love of the first film, but Hangover 1 is still good. It has a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, which is a very, very high rating for a comedy. And I think most of what is disliked about the first movie is really the stuff that was replicated poorly in the two sequels, because Hangover 2 and 3 are not that good. We're not going to get into 3, even though it did feature a Kanye song. I just, didn't, I, just, I just didn't want to talk about Hangover 3. The problem with 2 is it just takes the premise of the first film, almost the exact same script, and puts them in another country and makes it dirtier and darker. And I know comedies and sequels, really any sequel, has to escalate. You have to go bigger with every sequel, and I get that. Hangover 2 is an ugly film, visually. It's an ugly film to look at. It really feels like they just rewrote the first script. It is that similar. I will, however, go to bat for Hangover 1. Kind of like Inside Man, Hangover 1 doesn't have that great of a rewatchability, but it is a great first time. The first time you see it, Hangover was a blast. If a new viewer were to watch Hangover now, having never seen it, I don't know if it would connect the same, but you have to realize that when it came out, R-rated comedies had died. Again, much like Scream, Scream revitalized the horror genre in the 90s when it came out. And at the time when Hangover came out, R-rated comedies were dead. When Hangover came out, it was a shot in the arm for that genre. When really any movie is made, there's usually some sort of studio or producer interference. 
There's always somebody behind the money who wants them to change something. There's always nitpicking and notes and changes, and it's always annoying. No filmmaker loves getting notes from a studio or a producer. It's a real pain. With Hangover, Todd Phillips, who would later go on to do Joker, he said to the studio, what is the most amount of money you will give me and leave me alone? (laughs) He said, what is the maximum amount of money I can take from you guys to make a movie my way? Where's that line in the sand? Where do you draw that line between you having a say and not having a say? And so they gave him his budget and he got to choose his actors. He picked the leads. The studio didn't. And he was able to make the movie he wanted. And I always will always say, if you're hiring someone you think is a creative genius, don't let some old suit in a studio in Burbank tell you how to change it. And it is often the cause for a lot of bad movies. It really is. I am crossing off Hangover 2. It sucks. (laughs) Uh, I am keeping Hangover 1 for now. I mentioned another movie that has the song Stronger, and that's Never Back Down. Never Back Down is one of those movies that has a low critic score. But on IMDb, people like this movie, and it was successful enough to generate a bunch of completely unrelated straight-to-video sequels. The first film is... Basically, the Karate Kid, but with mixed martial arts, with MMA. So it's a new kid at a new school. He gets beat up, and he finds someone who can teach him mixed martial arts. It's almost exactly the Karate Kid. The problem with Never Back Down that I have is that Sean Ferris is the worst. He is not a leading man in any way. And when the lead of your movie ruins your movie, well, that's a problem. It almost has the same rating as Four Brothers, so people like Never Back Down, or at least they did. I don't know if anyone even remembers it. I don't think that anyone has ever said to me, hey, remember that movie, Never Back Down? So I would say it's a forgotten film. I think the whole thing is torpedoed by the lead actor. They made a huge mistake casting him. When you watch it, it's like a time capsule. It's so weird how it wasn't even 20 years ago, and yet the movie just screams (laughs) early 2000s. I don't know what it is. It's very strange. I am crossing off Never Back Down. There's no reason for me to keep it. Just watch The Karate Kid. Watch Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai is awesome. Watch Karate Kid 2. Or 3. Or the next Karate Kid. Yes, there were four Karate Kid movies. The fourth one had Hilary Swank. No one talks about it. There are only two left. The next one is The Great Gatsby, which features the song No Church in the Wild. And overall, The Great Gatsby has an amazing soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. I believe Jay-Z produced it. And the film was directed by Baz Luhrmann, who also did Moulin Rouge. It has a very similar energy. I always thought it was interesting that a movie like The Great Gatsby, which is based on one of those books that everyone is forced to read in high school, much to their chagrin, can be made into a movie that opens to $50 million, that people would actually want to see an adaptation of The Great Gatsby. To me, is very impressive. It has a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes, but the style and music and editing, it's so high energy. In a previous episode, Tara said that The Lost Boys is the only vampire movie where she would actually want to spend time in that world. Gatsby's kind of like that, too. You watch The Great Gatsby and want to be in this hyper-stylized version of the 1920s. It's an exciting film with a ton of momentum. And, of course, it has Leonardo DiCaprio in it, who is always great. And the movie will remind you that Tobey Maguire is a really good actor. He's not just Spider-Man. It is a thrilling, high-energy movie. Much, much, much better than that dry toast Robert Redford version. Now, some people might say that this version of The Great Gatsby is all glitter and no filler, that it has none of the context of the book. And I don't know. I can't say if that's really true or not. I have read the book, and there are whole classes dedicated to analyzing The Great Gatsby. But I wonder if sometimes a book is just a book. If we're applying way too many metaphors and meaning to text that F. Scott Fitzgerald did not intend, maybe? I don't know. But in either case, I love the movie. 
The only problem I have at all is that Joel Edgerton and Carey Mulligan, who play Daisy and Tom, are so bland. Both actors have done amazing work before. I think Carrie Mulligan should have won the Oscar for Promising Young Woman. But in this film, these two characters are really the instigators of all of the horrible things that eventually happen. You see Leo as Gatsby in love with Carrie Mulligan's character Daisy, and you never, ever, ever understand his obsession. The movie doesn't give you that. I think two different actors in those roles could have changed the dynamic enough, but they're not ruinous. They're not Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Other than that, I think The Great Gatsby is a very watchable movie. It has style to burn. I like it a lot. I really do. And I'm thinking it's probably going to be one of the three. The last movie features the Kanye West song, Birthday Song, and it's the movie Longshot. Longshot is a romantic comedy about the Secretary of State, played by Charlize Theron, who is being vetted to run for president, and she hires Seth Rogen to write about her. And their connection is that she used to babysit him as a child. So he grew up to be a writer for a website, and she grew up to be this politician. So he spends a bunch of time with her, gets to learn about her, they get to catch up, and through this experience, they start to fall for each other. Sometimes I do get kind of tired of Seth Rogen basically just playing (laughs) Seth Rogen every time. The trailer dropped recently for the Rescue Rangers movie where he plays an animated Viking, and he's basically just Seth Rogen even in that. Even in a joke about the uncanny valley of CG animation, he is still just playing Seth Rogen. Longshot, though, is funny. It's well-written. It's great seeing adults in funny situations and romantic situations that are not cartoonish. It has a great supporting cast like Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul, and June Diane Raphael, who is one of the hosts of the movie podcast, How Did This Get Made?, which I highly recommend. So a lot of good actors playing good characters, and I think that's the difference. I think that's why a movie like Longshot is so much better than Marry Me or whatever other JLo movies coming out, because they're adults. They're not cartoons. The movie is still funny and romantic and never gets saccharine. My only complaint about Longshot, and surprisingly... <laughs> Coming for me, it's not the length. I know I complain a lot about movies being too long, and in my opinion, many of them are. The only real issue with Longshot, kind of, is that politically, the movie never really picks a side. I'm not saying that I need the movie to be overtly left or right-leaning, but the trouble is, when you make a movie about politics, you need to, or at least should, get a real sense of where the characters stand. Without getting into it, because this is not the show for that, I think the two-party system is stupid. I think the idea of everyone having to fall under just one or the other ideology, that's silly. That being said, if you make a movie about somebody running for president, we need to get some sort of sense of their politics. In Longshot, Charlize's character is so undefined politically, if that makes sense. I can see from a filmmaking perspective why they might want to not alienate anybody. I do miss the days where you or a character even could be political without it turning into an argument. It's okay to just disagree, people. It's okay. You can like one side without meaning you have to hate the other. Just putting that out there. But in a film, a film about a politician, I just think there should be some definition. Just something more. All of that aside, (laughs) Longshot is good. It's fun. It's a fun movie. I like Longshot. I would say I'm holding on to it for now, but I have four left. I have Inside Man, The Hangover, Part 1, The Great Gatsby, and Longshot. I feel like people might be angry if I kept The Hangover, but I would go to bat for that one, putting the sequels out of your mind. The first one is good. I like The Hangover. The only issue with keeping Inside Man is that I do love Spike Lee, but that's the least Spike Lee-ish movie that he's made. 
I think the decision comes down to not keeping two comedies. And I'm going to keep the one that has had the greater success and greater impact. So I am crossing off Longshot, which leaves me with my three. And so, now playing this week at Valley West Cinemas are Inside Man, The Great Gatsby, and The Hangover. What do you think? Let us know on Twitter at VWestCinemas. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Podcast. And of course, please rate and review wherever you listen. That helps us a ton. I'm your host, Aaron. Thank you for listening.